Welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Over the next hour, we are going to celebrate women across all venues of education and hear stories from trailblazing educators of challenge and success, highlighting that leadership is not always about a title. Now here's your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. It is such a pleasure to be here with you today, and thank you for tuning in. For those listening that do not know me or that are new to the show, I wanted to share a few details about the backstory of empowering women in educational leadership with you. As a lifetime educator myself and with a mother who was a very strong teacher in a Texas high school for over 40 years, I felt it was a natural transition to highlight strong women in educational leadership. So many times women assume that they have to have a title to be a leader, which is not true at all. So many women inspire, guide, support, and empower each other. Those women are the transformational leaders that focus on elevating one another through mentorship, whether intentional or not. I wanted to highlight the great things and people supporting women in educational leadership. I've been in education for over 30 years at the K-12 and higher education level as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. I'm now the owner of Do Good Leadership, where I'm a professional speaker, leadership and success coach and mentor, author, consultant, and radio show host. My focus has shifted from working within an institution to a new focus outward where I can serve, elevate, and inspire women to be amazing leaders in education at all levels. This show was the opportunity to bridge the connection between where a woman in education is and where she wants to be after developing leadership skills and confidence to become that empowering transformational leader. The key is to find a strong mentor to help guide you along the way. My mother was a mentor for me until she died in a car accident when I was 27. I've made it my life's purpose to develop, serve, support, and empower women in educational leadership through mentorship. More about that later. Today is the seventh episode of Empowering Women, and I'm honored to have this opportunity to highlight Dr. Leanne Nutt, another Texas leader that we have here today. For the past 24 years, Dr. Leanne Nutt has served in increasingly responsible leadership positions in two Texas community colleges. Currently, Dr. Nutt is president of Lone Star College Tomball, a position she began in February of 2015. She is deeply committed to providing all students with opportunities to improve their lives. Dr. Nutt initiates programs to ensure equitable student outcomes. She's authored Complete the Agenda in Higher Education, Challenges, Beliefs about Student Success, And she also believes in developing future community college leaders with her work with Ferris State University. So please welcome our amazing guest today, Dr. Leanne Nutt. How are you today? I'm doing great, Stephanie. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. Well, you have done so many things in your educational career. Why don't you just share your personal journey with us about how you became um, the amazing leader that you are at Tomball? Oh, thank you. I'm a very accidental college administrator. (laughs) I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I always envied people who did. I would hear people say, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a nurse, and I thought, how do they know that? So I knew, though, that while I didn't know what my career path would be, I knew that higher education was my out from poverty. I lived with a single mother who did not have a college education, who was a bartender. We lived on tips uh, and we struggled. My blessing and safety net was my grandfather, who was a pharmacist. 
And I saw the lifestyle that education provided him and provided a safety net for us. So I knew I'd go to college. Went to Texas Tech University, good Texas school, got a bachelor's degree in management, still did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Management was broad enough that I could apply it to anything. And I was always naturally attracted to the leadership style of courses and and, and programs. I was a on my student government, and then I was a youth leader in our youth group. So I was always attracted to leadership positions. After I graduated, I answered a one ad in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal to be assistant to the registrar at South Plains College. Uh, it was a technical branch of South Plains College in Lubbock. Stephanie, I didn't even know what a registrar was, but it was a job. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. applying. And as you can imagine, the interview didn't go great because I didn't know the job I was applying for and I had no experience. But when they called to tell me I didn't get the job, they said, we want you to apply for this other position. And it was assistant to the dean. Well, I interviewed, bombed the interview, walked out of there thinking, I had no idea what these people were even talking about. There is no way I'm going to get that job. But it was just a job. It wasn't then that I know a career path. I don't know why, I don't know how, except Dr. Sam Hill saw something in me and gave me an opportunity and changed my life. I was able in that position to be exposed to almost everything related to college administration, budget, strategic planning, institutional effectiveness when it was becoming a thing, hiring adjunct faculty, working with faculty, student services. I got to touch it all. And one day, our counselor walked in with the Chronicle of Higher Ed in her hand and pointed at a one ad. That was when it was still in print and you had to yes. like highlight it, right? Some people don't even know what I'm talking about. So it was many years ago, but she walked in with that printed news uh, newspaper And said, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I said, Joe, I have no idea. And she was the first person to say, read this one ad. It just described you. You could be anything you wanted to be in higher ed. And that's how it all began. And I took her advice, uh, decided that nothing else sounded great. And I enjoyed what I was doing and started my master's degree in higher ed administration in 1990, graduated with that degree in 92. Never dreamed I'd go to grad school, more or less never dreamed I'd get a doctorate, but my husband was so supportive and encouraging that about midway through the master's degree, I decided, yep, this is it. This is what I'm put on this earth to do. So I'm going to go all the way. And my goal became to graduate with my doctorate in a higher ed administration before I turned 30. And I graduated in December of 96, turned 30 the next March. So if anybody's doing math, yes, that was a very long time ago. Um, Became then, we went on a little bit of a journey to follow my husband around and I got out of community college work. And we were driving through the mountains of New Mexico. We were living in Albuquerque. And he said, so you wanted to be a college president do you still want to do that? Yeah, I do. He said, Leanne, you don't work in a college. And I'm like, <laughs> great point. <laughs> and so we made it made it our mission then. And again, he was so supportive and willing uh, 
to get back to a college. I landed at North Central Texas College as Dean of Continuing Education. Uh, and that whole story on how that happened was just, a, that's a long story, but it was just such a blessing. Then became provost and then vice president of instruction, and I spent 12 years there. As a Texan, I swore I would never live in Houston. <laughs> so when the recruiter called about the Lone Star College job, I said, no, thank you. But destiny has a way of guiding you back to the path you're supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. And Lone Star kept showing up. And so I finally, uh, the two by four hit me on the head. I finally listened and came to Lone Star College as vice president of instruction in 2011. And then my first opportunity and the only presidency I've held is here at the same campus. Never dreamed I'd get to move into the presidency at the institution that I was already at. Uh, but with children and a family, not moving and chasing a job was very important to me. So I've been very patient and waited for the right place, right time. And I've been president since 2015. And that's how that story went down. Um, well, there's so many great pieces to take away from that. You know, you talk about having a supportive spouse. You know, that just seems like it's a trend in a lot of the guests that I've had is having support around them, whether it's a spouse or a boyfriend or, mm -hmm. you know, another family member. So, you know, is is that, do you find that that is essential in everything that you do is having that support right there at home? I do. I don't want to, for anybody who doesn't have that essential support mm -hmm. at home to feel like they can't succeed without that because it's still very possible. But I, I will tell you that um, he's made all the difference mm -hmm. uh, in just my own belief in myself. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little insight and then maybe this will explain why his support has been so special. Uh, growing up with a single mom, not I have had to work since I was 15, 16. I've always kind of struggled with this ugly duckling syndrome. Like, who am I? I'm just this poor kid from Borger, Texas. I'm, I, I'm not enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not rich enough. And my husband, when we were dating, gave me the book, The Ugly Duckling. And he was really the first one that helped build my own self-confidence and saw uh, something in me I hadn't seen in myself. When I became president, we went to celebrate and he handed me this beautiful blue box. And I could tell it was, uh, I can't say this word, but Zaworski mm -hmm. box crystal. And I'm like, well, this is going to be a nice gift. And I opened this beautiful blue box and in it is a crystal swan. So from having the Ugly Duckling book given to me in 1987, and now this crystal swan, um, that is a symbol of the kind of support he has provided. That book and that crystal swan sit on my desk. I see it every single day. So I very much believe support around you is a difference maker. If it's not a spouse, it can be a friend, a parent, a mentor. What Jim gave to me and what the counselor gave to me when she asked me, what do I want to be when I grow up, is someone who I felt like they believed in me. And one of my own personal mottos 
is to believe in someone is the biggest difference you can make. Absolutely. So I try very much to de- to demonstrate my belief in other people because it only takes one or two people to believe in you to make all the difference for what you're able to achieve and succeed going forward. Well, and that goes along with what you shared with destiny and different doors opening up. And so it's it's that belief. You might not feel that you're good enough to do something, but sometimes if you have that person that just taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, why don't you apply for that? Or, you know, I think you can or or whatnot. So destiny, it's life changing. It is. It is. And I have to tell you a quick story as things go full circle. Um, I won't share the last name because I'm not embarrassing, but we have a student named Charlie. Charlie is fabulous. He's involved in everything. Uh, Charlie's not an older student, but he's not a traditional student. But he has just been such an instrumental uh, student and leader on campus. So I don't know what Charlie wants to be when he grows up. I've heard him say that he wanted to be a park ranger. But last spring, after a student awards ceremony, we passed each other in our performing arts center and he gave me a hug and and thanked me and I grabbed him by the shoulders and I got eyeball to eyeball with Charlie. And I said, Charlie, I see something in you. I believe in you. You could have a career in higher education if you wanted it. Come talk to me. And I stunned him. He didn't even know what to say. You know, he was just like, he was like, okay. (laughs) Uh, So I scared him to death. Two days later, hey, Dr. Nutt, been thinking about what you had to say. Can I come see you? And of course, Charlie. So Charlie came and we talked and he was like, you blew me away. No one's ever just said they saw that in me. And I said, Charlie, you've got it. You could make a career out of this. You just have it. And now Charlie's working for us part-time in our new career and transfer connection center, starting to build his resume in higher ed. And we'll, he will do great things in community college leadership. I love that. It just takes, it takes one, one instance. One, one experience can change yep. a belief. So as you've been going through your career, have you had any challenges along the way? You know, you talked about coming from, you know, your livelihood and where you are now, but once you got into community colleges, what are the challenges that you have faced? Sure. Two come to mind, Stephanie. Of course, if I were, uh, if we were face-to-face and and just more informal, I'd say, oh, I've never had any challenges. What are you talking about? It's been a perfect experience, right? But that's not true. I think the challenges initially uh, were two. First of all was my age. I was sitting at a president's cabinet table uh, with, I was barely 30. That's relatively young to be in that situation. So my challenge wasn't gen- was not gender. It was more age related. Well, you're you're a kid. Um so overcoming that I had some something to offer, I think was one of my early challenges. And just by working hard and creating experiences for people where I demonstrated 
I can learn, I can produce, I can build relationships, I can make a difference, then age became less of a factor. Nowadays, I'm stunned at how much older I am than everybody else at the table. So that's not so much a problem anymore. But uh, anyway, and, and then secondly, was my kind of lack of experience. I did not come into administration in a traditional route. I didn't teach full time. I didn't teach part time until I was an administrator. I recognized, though, that that was a weak link in my resume. And so I really made sure that I gained the experiences I needed to fill in those gaps. And by being intentional and being a learner and having the mindset that, you know what, I don't know everything. What can I do to become uh, stronger, better, uh, more competent, more learned? Just go at it with that mindset. And that has served me well. Well, and I, I love that you were reflecting on yourself and acknowledging your own gaps, because so many times when leaders get to a position, they're like, oh, I've made it. I don't need to improve. I'm I'm here, and they're just going to try to do whatever they can. But by acknowledging that and getting into teaching, I think that was huge. Again, being intentional, being a learner, and your mindset, which we will definitely talk about when we get back from break here in a couple minutes. But you know, in at my institution, I was one of the only ones that had teaching experience. And mm. so it's becoming the norm, it seems, that more administrators don't come from the classroom. But I think that if you do come from the classroom or you have that experience, then you tend to be able to connect with the faculty and the instructors a little bit differently than somebody who hasn't. But the fact that you went out there and you got that experience. So, so briefly, tell us about... Um, you know, intentionality, how important is that in what you do, being intentional? And what we've got about a minute to talk about it. Of course, the living on purpose, knowing uh, what the, who you want to be and how you want to be and making sure that you behave in those ways that are in alignment with your, who you are authentically is where intention, where it's where intentionality comes from is first knowing uh, you can't be intentional if you don't know who you are. And so it has to start with that sense of being. I love that. So let's pause there. We will go for a two minute break. And when we come back, we'll talk about mindset, grit, and resilience back in two minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? It's a show that airs at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Fridays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel that acts as your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Hear from the best and brightest in the biz as your host, Kelly Combat, gives you the answers you need. Career Combat, Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. All right, welcome back. We are here with Dr. Leah Nutt, president of Lone Star College Tomball, which is outside of Houston, Texas. And we were just talking about being intentional, which is knowing who you are and your authentic self in order to do so. And we were also talking about mindset. So Leanne, tell me what is mindset or how important is mindset in the journey in education or being a leader or, or just in general? Sure. Well, well, mindset, when I finally realized what it was, and I can tell you that story on how I stumbled into it, uh, changed everything. It changed how I lead. It changed how I parent. It changed just my whole lens on how I see our roles as community college leaders. Um, it all started with the with a New Year's resolution, and I wanted to read 12 books in a year. How hard could that be? One a month. That was years ago. I still haven't finished the 12 because I came across Carol Dweck's book on mindset. And I could I couldn't stop. It was like I can't read anything else. This has changed my whole trajectory. Coupled to that, I did read two books: Carol Dweck's book on mindset, and then Paul Tuff's book on how children succeed. And he introduced the concept of grit and mindset. That moment when I was reading those books collided with a moment in our work at at Lone Star on helping more students complete. Uh, a degree with the completion agenda at its height at the time. And so the realization that our students' mindsets uh, and ultimately our own personal mindsets have such great influence over the actions that we take. And then a third variable collided with those two books, our work with completion agenda, then our work with organizational culture. And about the same time, we were introduced to the concept of the results pyramid from uh, the accountability partners, culture and leadership. Um, they have this, this model that your experiences drive your beliefs, your beliefs drive your action, your actions drive your results. And the epiphany that hit me and the angels sang and the sun shone, I mean, it was just that whole scenario was we're completely missing the point in the completion agenda. We are so focused on programs and policies and processes and what we do to and for students 
that we've forgotten that our students come to us having had experiences that influence their mindset, influence their beliefs. And if they believe they're not good enough, if they believe they can't, if they had the experience where they've been told you're not college material, you're less than, no policy, no procedure is going to change that. So that became the influencing, the whole mindset piece and grit became so influential in how we have approach student success at Lone Star College Tomball. So I could go on and on, but your question was, how has mindset made a difference? It's changed everything. It has completely reformed how I see myself as a parent, as a person, as a leader, as a teacher. Well, and that does go into the grit scenario. I know that you work with, um, you know, a leader with grit, and I'll let you share that information, but you have really made that embedded in Lone Star College. And there has been some great success with students, with faculty, with with just life for students in that area. So share some of what you've done with GRIT specifically, because I've been involved in a couple of those things. Yeah, sure. Thank you. This is uh, going on uh, almost 10 years now, which is hard to believe. But it all started with that same reading Paul Tuff's book and Carol Dweck's book. And then that led to Angela Duckworth's TED Talk on grit. She didn't have a book out yet. And I brought it to the campus. I just I could not help but apply it to our student success initiatives. And we just started doing some professional development and some exploring around what it what is grit? What does that mean? Um Most people think of it as, you know, just never give up, you know, pull up your own bootstraps if you're from Texas, Uh, (laughs) just grit your teeth, you know, grin and bear it. It has a lot of definitions. Most of those are wrong. But that's what we started with. And I remember a moment where we were talking in our conference room and our librarian asked me a really powerful question. She said, okay, I'm all in with this grit stuff. But what do we tell the student who's taken developmental math seven times? That's grit. They're doing it over and over. They're not quitting. I said, I don't know the answer to that question, but that's the right question. When you ask the right question, the universe gives you the answer. It wasn't too long after that that we met Paul Stoltz, who is the author you were referring to, who is a lifelong 30-plus year researcher in overcoming adversity. And he has done research on his definition of grit, which is the capacity to dig deep, sacrifice, struggle, suffer for your most worthy goals. But he also brings with it the concept of quality of grit. Grit for him is growth mindset, resilience, instinct, and tenacity. And the qualities of those characteristics matter as much as the quantity of grit. And as it worked out, uh, Paul was looking for a community college partner, a college partner. Most of his work had been in the corporate sector. Uh, We had spent about a year exploring grit and our paths crossed. Uh, We've partnered and we've been partners ever since, almost 10 years Uh, We give the grit gauge assessment that he developed uh, to our, uh, we started giving it to all of our students, but over the years now, we give it to our first time in college or first time at Lone Star students. 
and use that assessment to help students know what level of grit growth mindset do they have? What are their qualities of grit? Where can they improve? Everybody's got some kind of grit. And the point is never, ever, ever to say you're not gritty enough. That's not the point. Um, The teaching element of this is here's a key element in your future success. And if you have experiences and beliefs that are holding you back, understanding your mindset and your tendencies to not be tenacious or whatever the assessment shows you is one way to overcome those beliefs that are going to hold you back and to develop beliefs that are going to propel you. And so it's been a privilege to work with Paul over the last several years. He's been on campus several times. We have our eighth annual GRIT Summit coming up October 13th. Uh, where we have, uh, man, every year we've done our GRIT Summit. It just gets better every year. Uh, But we really, over the last few years, have focused on our students and have our students come to the GRIT Summit to to learn all things GRIT and how to use that in their own lives. So I know that you have also implemented some of the GRIT practices into curriculum, Is that correct? Yeah, we have. Thank you. You had a good memory. So the first thing we did with Paul is a research study, scientific, random sampling, random assignment, uh, control groups, experimental groups, all the things uh, so that it was a robust study. And from that, and we didn't know really what we were doing yet. So it was, if we do the study again, I'm sure even the results would be even stronger. <laughs> but the but the courses that were what we called gridified had a, a significantly higher success rate. And so using that actual local research that was robust gave us the platform for incorporating grit across our curriculum. So um nursing, vet tech, um, education, um, really was organic. We really let the faculty and the the program directors take it and run with it however they saw fit. But it has become part of our DNA at our college. Our TRIO program really focuses on, on all things grit. And so that's been one of the most rewarding things in my career is to be able to bring a concept to make a difference for students and to watch it just grow and be adopted and embedded and deeply into the college has been very rewarding. Well, what I love, and and you and I met years ago, but what I love is that you do take a concept that is not the norm in current education today. And if you see that it's a fit or a benefit or a possible benefit for the student, you want to try it out. And I think that is so unique in a lot of leaders that we have now, because as you mentioned, focusing on the policies, the programs, the procedures, you know, enrollment data, you know, looking at all of those pieces about the end result. Are they persistent? Are they graduating? Are they transferring? But not really looking at the foundation of the student themselves and, and what can we do to help them so they can meet those goals? So I just commend you for that because I haven't heard of many other institutions doing it that way. And so how has your organizational culture shifted since you've been president? I mean, just think about that time frame. Yeah. So, um, you know, Lone Star is an amazing institution and an amazing place. 
Uh, we're a system of eight colleges. Uh, my campus is the third oldest. Uh, we've got about 9,000 students. Our largest campus has 24,000. Our smallest has about 2,000. So we serve everybody. Uh, with our collective impact and strength, we can be all things to everyone. Uh, my particular campus culture is very traditional, and we are very embedded and connected to our community. Um, very much people come and say, oh, it feels like a, you know, it feels like family here. It's so warm and welcoming. And and I want to be sure and honor that because that hasn't changed over the years. That has been a steady constant for us. If I think about what culture shift has occurred, I would put it in terms of the results pyramid again. Uh, the experiences drive beliefs, beliefs drive actions, actions drive results. So that applies to us as faculty and administrators and people that are trying to make a difference in, in this space. So the experiences we create for each other lead to beliefs that we hold about our college and the actions we take and the results that we get. And so we embarked a few years ago on what we call experience extraordinary. And extraordinary is a very intentional word um, based on the work that I just talked about with the policies and the processes and, and this is what great community colleges do. Well, my opinion is what great community colleges do is baseline. That's what we should all do. That should not be considered great. That should be fundamental. And so in thinking about, so what's beyond great? Well, extraordinary. So we at our college and, and what we're striving for all the time is to create extraordinary moments for each other and for our students. It's not complicated. This is not a wildly complex, multi-layered thing. This is simply comes down to in the moment when you're eyeball to eyeball with a student, what experience do you create for that student? The words we use matter. When we're eyeball to eyeball with each other in a meeting, how, what experience are we creating for each other? Is it, is it a collaboration? Is it, do we have collegiality and, and good rapport? Our whole success structure, everything we're going to accomplish ultimately comes down to a moment that's a relationship-based moment. And if we mess that up, we have no foundation upon what which to build. My goodness, I love I love all that you're saying. And so you've trans translated a lot of this, I believe, in your Complete the Agenda in Higher Education book that you've recently written, correct? I've tried. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my intent. <laughs> well, where can people access that? Is it available on Amazon or just tell us a little bit about it before we get a break? Yeah, thanks. It is available on Amazon. I published it through Rome. Um, oh, don't tell me. I just forgot. Roman and Littlefield. Sorry. I just, <laughs> sorry. I totally blanked on the name. Um, the In 2019, uh, right before COVID, it's available through Amazon and on my own website, which is leannut.com. I love that. And so as we are talking about 
mindset and we're talking about organizational culture and intentionality and the results pyramid, there's there's so much that is a part of the entire institution. You know, a lot of people think higher ed is just, oh, it's a building, you go to classes, you go home. But there's so much more than that. There's there's pretty much you can change somebody's life in a minute. You can change somebody's life with one interaction. And you said it so well that everything comes down to a relationship moment. And so if you and I have a bad day and we are frustrated and we share our frustration with a student in a negative way, we may have just changed their life in a negative way. In a negative way. That's right. I share that with our employees all the time. Um, You know, look, if someone... People are hardwired to affirm the beliefs they already hold. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to affirm a belief than it is to change a belief. And so think about how many students circle the parking lot, come up four times before they get the courage to walk in the door. You don't know what experience they've had walking in to your, you're the first person they've talked to or the fifth or the 12th person they've talked to. You can unintentionally change a person's life by a word that you use. Now that sounds like a whole lot of pressure. Oh my gosh, I'm going to destroy this person's life. (laughs) You don't have that much power, but you do have a power to create a new experience that makes them think, okay, maybe this is a good choice. For instance, quickly, I know we need to go on break. The student walks up to the counter. We have a lengthy checklist of things the student has to complete before they can enroll in classes. Most colleges do. We tend to use the word hold. Well, that's an awful word to use because we would look at a student and say, hey, you got to hold on your account and you can see it in their face. It scares them to death to hear that word. I know this because I sat at the admissions counter and watched it. I, I observed it. I spent time there so I could see what happens firsthand. Subtle change. Congratulations. You've completed eight of your 10 checklist items. You just have two more steps. Mm -hmm. Total different experience. Same outcome. They still get the work done. Same outcome. Well, and and it's so true that the way that we say things, and we don't always know about their experiences or their perspectives. You know, we base a lot of things on what we do. We talk about that in communication all the time. So we'll go ahead and stop there and go to break. And when we come back, we will talk about effective communication and mentorship. So back in two minutes with Dr. Leanne Nutt. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And we are talking to Dr. Leanne Nutt, president of Lone Star College Tomball outside of Houston, Texas. We've been talking about cultivating mindset, grit, resilience, and organizational culture. We're going to continue our conversation that we've been having about communication and how important the way you say words matter to a student. So Leanne, tell me about effective communication in your world. How have you guided folks about the way that they communicate or or what are some tips that you might have on effective communication? Thanks, Stephanie. Uh, I'll take a couple of different stabs at this. And I'll start with just how I communicate or try to model communication for our college and others in leadership roles at the college. Um, I do have a very bad habit that I have to admit to when I speak publicly or I um, do a presentation. I don't script anything. I just hope that the words come out of my mouth correctly. And so I I do rely on that uh, ability. But part of that ability comes from just being authentically me and having done this for many years. So it's I've got a, a wealth of knowledge in my head that somehow comes out. But practically speaking, uh, I believe that you can't over-communicate And I believe in authentic, transparent communication. For instance, when I have a forum or I send a nuts to you newsletter or a nuts to you video, I'll share the hard stuff. I will share the the difficult facts. I just lost your voice feed, but that's okay. So Uh we will continue talking about effective communication when Dr. Nutt is able to rejoin us. But we've been talking about so many things, including the way that folks are able to make a difference in someone's life just by a word, a phrase, um, encouraging them. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Encouraging them to do something great or just to take a leap of faith and and go in a different direction. So Leanne is back with us. And so we were talking about you can't over-communicate and you're looking for authentically transparent communication. 
Yes, and how ironic is it that my microphone cut out during the communication segment of the show? <laughs> of course. Thank you, universe. Um, and yes, yeah, so that I, I'm willing to share hard information as well. I think we trust the listener to be professional, grown-up adults and and can have a conversation about what's working and what's what's not. And so it doesn't have to be a um yeah, the word toxic positivity is going through my mind right now. I think it's okay to call out the 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 hard things as well in appropriate ways and in a uh, supportive way, never to beat anybody up or to, or to uh, make them you know make it a negative scenario. There is a technique that I learned a long time ago and and how to share that kind of information, and it's called the awareness wheel. I I don't. I did not author it. I, I can't even cite it appropriately, but I just we've just had this technique for so long that you start with what you sense leads to what you think, what you feel, what you want, and what you'll do. And so using an I statement through that entire wheel, when I see, when I hear, when I, when I watched this happen, when I saw the data, Whatever that is, always start with sense because that's yours. That's what I own. What it made me wonder is, hmm, I wonder if we can do better in this area. What it made me feel is, gosh, I wonder, we're feel, I feel like we're letting our students down. What I want is to us improve and here's what we're going to do next. So it's a very powerful but very simple communication technique that works in any hard conversation, in any one-on-one conversation or in a group setting as well. So I'll offer that just as one communication uh, approach, and that can apply in your written communication, in your oral communication, uh, whatever mode that you're using. Uh, and also, when you have to have a hard conversation with somebody, it's okay to start the conversation with, we got to have a hard conversation. That prepares them for, okay, I'm in, let's, let's have this conversation. And every time I've had to start a conversation like that, it's getting started. It's the hardest part that gets the conversation started. Then you can use that communication wheel technique and then allow the person to respond. And in the end, it always, I've never had it not go well. Once we use those techniques and created that culture of it's okay to have the conversation. Well, and I think that it's the way you speak as well, because I'm listening to you and you're very calming. Mm. And so there are some leaders that are very aggressive or very sharp. And so some of these techniques, I'm not sure how effective they would be with somebody with a different way of coming at a conversation. But with you, it's it's very calming. I think every time that you and I have interacted, it's always been a friendly, calming, very receptive um, you know, people just walk up to you because they feel like they can, you know, no matter what your position is, mm-hmm. they they feel like they are connected to you. So that is that is so important. You know, I had a, a faculty member, um, a seasoned faculty member who would always use feel felt fact. You know, I feel this. If I were you, I would have felt the same way for this. But the fact is, you know, and you Ooh, I you like know, that. Through, yeah, I've heard that before. That's good. Feel felt fact. And so, uh, Miss Britt, if you're listening, I'm going to give shout out to you for for sharing <laughs> that with us. So we were talking about communication, but 
you know, with communication and all that you do with folks on your campus, how has mentorship played a role with those on your campus or even with yourself? You know, I always chuckle when I get this question about mentorship, because in all honesty and transparency, I've never had a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I could say I had. Of course, I've had people that I've referenced, the counselor who said you could be anything. My husband plays a very important role in, in my journey. But I have never really had somebody that I could call my mentor. I've had great people around me, and I don't want to dismiss their role and their relationship. But because I haven't had a true mentoring relationship and because I believe it's so important, I try to be that. I haven't had it, but I can be it. And so I've had the opportunity. And I love that you said that because, you know, I went through the same thing. My mom was my mentor and she died when I was 27 in a car accident. And so I didn't have my own mentor either going through but I realized how powerful it could be to have one. And so when that happened, that's when I decided, hey, this this is what this is what I want to do is I want to help others be successful. You know, it's not about me. It's how I can empower others and elevate others so that they can go to the next level. And Stephanie, I'm glad, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. I did not know that about about your story. But what we're both saying is back to where we began. But to believe in someone is the most powerful difference you can make. And one way to express your belief in someone is to have experiences with them where you have an opportunity to show how you believe in someone and to help guide them. And mentorship is an act of investing. It is an act of belief and is can just make such a difference in a, in a person's journey. And there's so much that we could talk about with with mentorship. And, and mentorship comes in a lot of different ways, shapes, and forms. You know, it, it could just be somebody that you run across every so often. You know, Dr. Nutt, you've been a mentor to me over the years, and, and we don't talk all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just every once in a while we've we've had conversations at at pivotal points when I've needed some feedback on something, you know, from from someone outside of my my normal circle. And so I appreciate you for that. And I know that. You know, you talked about becoming a teacher to fill the gap, but I also know that you work with those in a doctoral program. So how has that journey been in being the teacher for a lot of upcoming leaders? Because I know that's one of your passions. It is. And and also an accidental part of my journey where <laughs> I was gave a presentation in Oklahoma City of all places about our grit work and uh, Robbie Tian, who is uh, Robbie, if you're out there, uh, thinks so highly of you with Ferris State University. She's since retired, walked up to me and, uh, you know, people walk up to you after a presentation and you think, oh, you know, thank you and I uh, appreciate your comments. But she offered me a job. <laughs> and she said, wait, me. I was like, what? Did you just offer me a job? She said, yes, I want you to come teach in our doctorate in community college leadership program at Ferris State. And I did. And I've loved it. And now I've I started teaching quantitative research methods. Um, did that for years. And now I teach creating a culture of student success. And in fact, the class opens on Friday, my next class opens Friday. 
and have also had the opportunity to chair or serve on about a dozen dissertation committees now. And just to be able to speak into the growth and development of upcoming leaders uh, at all levels. I've got had students who are vice presidents already, and I've had students who are just in their first role in a college. Uh, just to be able to be at a place in my own journey and career where I can give back that way is uh, really more rewarding for me, I think, than it is for them. Well, what an appropriate class, creating a culture of student success with all that we've shared today. So we are coming towards the end of our show. And of course, I always want to ask, what are some words of wisdom or encouragement that you'd like to share with any of our listeners? Thank you. I I think it's going to be repetitive, but I, I have to say it. Believe in somebody. Find somebody and don't be afraid to tell them you believe in them because that truly will make a difference in their lives. Even if you're not the first person to believe in them, you will have an impact by intentionally finding somebody to share that with. Uh, volunteer to to serve and be a mentor to create a relationship uh, with someone that um, maybe you don't know as well or, they, or, or you want to get to know better. Um, be open to those new experiences. And then finally, let the path find you. I... You know, my journey in in this career over the last 24 years, um, I made a decision because I value so very much my family and the stability of uh, being in one place and not chasing a job that I said, just it's going to be the right place, right time, right opportunity, but I'm not chasing it. The game's got to come to me. Mm -hmm. And I probably could have been a president sooner in my career than I was but it worked out exactly the way it was supposed to. And so just that patience and not forcing it, listen to your head, heart, and gut. When those are aligned, then it's the right decision. And that's how I've I've made decisions that have worked out is when they're aligned. And when one of those is out in alignment, I've always regretted it. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. I know that people can find you at leannutt.com, L-E-E-A-N-N-N-U-T-T.com. And we are just about out of time. So for those of you that are here, I just hope that you can appreciate all that Dr. Nutt has brought. Um, If you ever have a chance to visit Lone Star College Tomball in Northwest Houston, I encourage you to do so or to be involved in any of her GRIT initiatives. You've always done such great things. So thank you so much. Again, we are out of time. So you can find me at www.drstephaniedugan.com or on the voiceamerica.com page where all of my access is there. We are out of time for this week. Next week, we will be talking to Nicole from InSpace. So be sure to tune in next week at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. I would love to leave you all with this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. A good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next week. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. We hope you'll join us next week for another inspiring episode 